Hi everyone and welcome back to my channel. So for those who don't know, I'm Alicia and I've been interviewing inspirational people to find out how they've become who they are today. Now, this week I interviewed creative director from Tatler magazine, Tom Usher. Tom has previously worked for Marie Claire, GQ and FHM as well as Tatler magazine. So I wanted to find out what makes a good creative director and how do you get into the magazine industry? Now Tom has also worked with the likes of Beyonce and Victoria Beckham. So what I wanted to know is what is the future for magazine companies? Where's it going to be in five, ten years time? Here's how it went. <laughs> Hi Alicia, you might have to uh, excuse the dog, so yap as soon as anybody comes near the door. So if you hear a yapping, that's just the dogs going nuts, we'll just carry on. <laughs> that's fine. So to begin with, if you don't mind, can you just introduce yourself? What do you do? What's your yeah. name? Yeah, okay. So I'm Tom, Tom Usher, and I'm currently creative director of Tatler magazine, which is a fashion and society magazine. Obviously Tatler's quite a high-end magazine. What was your process? Yeah to get to that point? <laughs> well, I went to college and studied design and I've always had that sort of path that I was gonna go on because my father was in the creative industry. So growing up, I always wanted to go into graphic design or photography, art direction, that sort of thing, because I grew up in his studio with magic markers playing around. So it was sort of mapped out. So I went to college, I went to art college and studied design there. And after that, I left and worked for a few small design agencies working on fashion, fashion brands for sort of 90s companies. I think one was called Principles, Oasis, you know, all those fashion clothes shops, um, River Island. And then I wanted to go into magazines, so I wrote to the editor, or the, the, actually the creative director of Vogue magazine, um, and said, you know, I'd love to come in and show you what I've been doing, if there's any freelance work, because I thought magazines was a really cool industry to get into, so I thought, that's it, I'm going to take that path, and chose that that direction sort of end of the 90s. So I wrote to him, this is before email, so I'd have to write a letter, put some work in an envelope, send it off to him, and hopefully get a call or follow up with a phone call. Um, yeah, and you know, fortunately he called me back and said, come in and do some freelance work. So I left the agency I was with and started freelancing on Vogue magazine in about 1996. I was working there for about a year an opportunity came on GQ magazine because it was part of the same publishing company, Condé Nast, who owns GQ and Fantasy Fair, uh, Tatler, I've actually gone full circle and come back, Tatler, Vogue, um, World of Interiors. So there was this full-time job on GQ and I started working for them. I was there for about five years and then left to go and do other, other magazines to other publishing companies and went on from there to do FHM magazine, when FHM was this huge, this huge um, men's mag, it was like the biggest magazine in Europe at the time. So I left there, left GQ and went to work for them as the art director. Gone then Aston GQ, went to FHM, stayed there for about a year and then went to another magazine called Arena, which was a style magazine, fashion magazine for men. It's not around anymore, but it was this big magazine which came from the same stable as the Face magazines, had the Face and Arena, these two magazines this one publishing company and worked there for about five years and then left there because I saw men's magazines were struggling and the industry was was really petering out there and so I thought I'd move into women's magazines and that's when I started my career 
back in women's magazines and launched Harper's Bazaar, which is a women's fashion magazine. Um, in 2007, we, we relaunched that magazine. In 2007, and then from there, I, you know, I stayed there a few years and then went to Marie Claire, and then I've come full circle. And I'm back at Condé Nast 20 years later on Tatler. Brilliant. So yeah. what would you say has been your biggest challenge in becoming a creative director? I think it might be harder now because there's much, there's much less choice, there's much less magazines. A creative director within magazines is probably much more difficult because when I first started out, there was so many women's magazines, so many men's magazines, you could, um, and not that many people really were doing it. So it was a lot easier then. I think it's much more difficult now because one, I don't think necessarily many young creators want to get into magazines and publishing. It doesn't sort of have the same appeal that it probably did when I was young. I think kids maybe want to work with much more digital, digital sort of focused brands now, you know, doing social media campaigns, creative direction for, for fashion brands or ASOS or Net-A-Porter or these sort of companies, which are like, you know, much more the sort of cooler companies to work for now. So it was easier when I, when I sort of, when I was younger. So yeah, I think it's trickier now for magazines, but there's so much more opportunity now in other, other sort of fields within, within the creative industry, like designers for websites or designers for digital ad campaigns, all that sort of stuff. I think that's what people are more, you know, being driven towards from college probably, because it's, magazines have got a sort of shelf life. I can't see how they're going to be around for another 20, 30 years. There might be a few, but, I can't say that they can be in the same sort of format as they are now. It probably wouldn't be the wise to go into magazines. I would say now, I wouldn't start your career off in magazines. I'd probably start it in something which has a bit more longevity. But I've loved it. You know, it served me really well. I've, you know, I've managed to travel the world. I've met so many interesting people. I've got Beyonce in Paris, you know, Jenna Vanston in LA, and also all over the world. So it's been fantastic. And I've loved every minute of it. That's brilliant. Funny enough, my next question was actually going to be, how long do you see magazines yeah. on shelves? Because obviously we live in quite a digitalised time yeah. now. It's, it's a difficult one to answer because 10 years ago, I probably would have said 10 years, but we're still, we're still here. What we tried to do was do digital magazines for, for iPads. Um, and have a magazine that was scrolling text, photo galleries. So all the publishing companies invested a lot of money into that. And the iPad came out and we all thought this is going to be our saviour. We still we had to put do this magazine, it's going to be a digital format. People are going to read magazines on the iPads like the way they do print magazines, but they just didn't. They, you know, we Vogue sold a few hundred, invested so much money into it, sold a few hundred issues. People weren't looking at, mag looking at magazines like that on an iPad. They'd look at websites or they'd look at YouTube videos or social media. So it didn't really take off. So in a way, it sort of helped print magazines stay relevant. And, you know, you, you see magazines going every, every month, you know, Glam magazine, that was, that was one which went last year just to a digital format only. The print magazine's gone there in the UK and in, in the States. And that's huge, that's a huge magazine. In, in America was selling millions of copies. When I was going to go and work for them at one point in New York, and she was telling me the revenues that they were making then. This was probably 2002, and it was millions and millions and millions and millions. And within 15 years, that was all, all sort of gone. So they're just a digital focused website now. Um, so yeah, I think a few, Mary Claire went last year, 
There's another one that's gone now. Pretty much all, mag all men's magazines have gone except GQ and Esquire. It's quite sad, really, but I think what will happen is that you'll keep magazines like GQ and Esquire and for, for women's fashion, you'll probably keep Vogue, Harper's Bazaar and Tatler, hopefully. So a few of them will stay around and they'll just become these lovely things which, you know, a smaller amount of people buy, but they get into the right hands of the right people and that's when we can carry the advertising and we can still make profits from that. It's a shame really, because like I know for me, I like picking up a magazine or a product. Yeah. And when it's actually on your phone or your iPad. Yeah. That's right, like people didn't really want to, yeah, people don't want, which is good. And I'm glad somebody of your age that does like to, like to pick up magazines and still have that sort of, you know, that feel of the paper and the glossiness of a cover. You know, it's something you can flick up quickly and put down. You don't have to start your iPad up. You can throw it in your bag. It, it, it's a product. And what's nice about it is you're actually buying something tangible. You're buying something you can actually pick up and, and have it in your hand, you know. People like, people like products still. That's why, for instance, Apple will spend so much time and design and effort into the packaging of their iPhone because they still understand that people want to have something that's new and glossy and shiny and it makes you feel good. It does. About everything you're buying digitally. <laughs> so hopefully, you know, there's some, there's some life left in them. I think they'll probably change how they're produced. I know budgets are being cut. I don't know, you know what, if that was a long answer, but I don't really know how long they've got. That's quite scary in a way, what you <laughs> It is, you know, I, listen, I'm gonna retire in 25 years, so I've got 25 years left, I'm happy. After that, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. That they can do what they like. Exactly, exactly, 25 more years. My God, when you think of it like that, that's a long time. I don't think it's got 25 years. I think I need to think of something else to do. But for, <laughs> fortunately, the, the work which I do is, you can move it, you know, I, I'm the creative director, so I will plan what the photo shoots are. I will come up with ideas for covers. I'll go onto the shoot and create imagery with a photographer and a stylist and a hair and makeup artist. And you create these sort of wonderful stories and images. And you can do that for whatever medium. If that means I'm having to do that for things which are online or for a brand or for a fashion company, say work for Burberry, Gucci, and create images for them, great. It'd be wonderful, I can do that. I don't think, the art of storytelling and photography and creative direction will ever die. That'll always be there, but I think it'll just be done differently for somebody like me into a different medium. So what would you say makes a good creative director? I think you've got to sort of, you've got to have ideas. You've got to be, you've got to stay relevant because your images you create have got to stay relevant and resonate with whether that's your reader or if you're working for a brand, resonate with, the customer and make them want to buy, make them want to buy this magazine because they love what you've done with the image on the cover. They want to buy that pair of trainers because the way you've what you've done the creative for the ad campaign has made that product cool and relevant and you know a must-have. So I think it's knowing your audience. I think it's it's knowing what what will sell your product and sell your magazine. I think you have to be collaborative. You have to sort of take you have to take, you have to work as a team, you have to work with a great stylist, you have to work with a great photographer, and you all need to be aligned and know what you want to get. You can't have sort of infighting, somebody wants this, somebody wants that. Before you know it, you've got to sort of 
mess of an image, you really all need to be on the same same page from the beginning and know what you want to produce and get the results by being collaborative. So how do you get that story? You talked about like each picture is a story. How do you how do you get to that point? What you know, what you want in your mind, and that picture is going to tell a story. It's not going most to things. Most things have been done before, or, or variations on it. So what we do at the beginning of the process, I'll sit down with the stylist and we'll say we are shooting for this one it was Priyanka. Studio shoots are slightly different, it's much more about the clothes but if you want to do a fantasy where you want to go to a castle or you want to create, you know, make her look like a modern Marie Antoinette or something like that, you get an idea in your head um, and you'll sit down and you'll create mood boards so you'll get images, so I'd get images from um, films with Marie Antoinette, I'd get images from magazines that have done shoots which, which feel like it's from that era and you'll clay all of these images together and you'll put them onto a board and you'll start building up a story from that and you can look at that and you can sort of understand the world you're going to sort of be in and then you you work the stylist and they'll look at all the collections that are available all the designers and see who's doing clothes which work in that sort of era and then i can put that top with you know that dress and you can create that world through styling, hair and makeup, wigs, okay. fashion, photography style, lighting. So it starts originally as a mood board and you all work on it together with the hair and makeup stylist, photographer and creative director. And then you take that to the shoot, you get a producer to find you the location you want and you go from there really. Once you've got the location, you get to the day and then you start, you know, you start creating those pictures. Okay, so it sounds like a lot of research has to go into yeah. get that. Yeah, there is, yeah. For every shoot, you'll do a mood board, even if it's a simple shoot for you're photographing somebody at home, you know, a famous person at home, you'll still create a mood board together to know how you want, how you want it to feel. So you can look at images. So on the day, people can look at images and think, actually, you know, we can do that sort of similar sort of setup to that. Always helps to have that with you all the time, really. Now... Mm. You mentioned that you've worked with the likes of Beyonce. Mm. What would you say has been your most memorable moment since starting out in the industry? Well, I've photographed so many amazing people. I much have, because I've been working magazines for 25 years. We've always been shooting somebody relevant who's making a movie that month. So I've pretty much photographed everybody, every actor, every actress. Well, not every actor when I was at GQ, every actress pop stars, but you know, I did say Beyonce, but that was probably one of the most memorable ones because we photographed her in the Ritz Paris and she turned up with her and Jay-Z, he turned up with her and it's sort of a little entourage, it wasn't hundreds of people, it was just a few people. And she was staying in Paris at the time and no, none of her fans knew where she was. And um, one of the shots which we wanted to get of her was, we had, we, we basically, we, we taken over the whole of this huge suite to do the shooting. And one of the shots we wanted that I wanted the photographer to be on the ground and shoot up to the hotel. And the suite which we had had this amazing balcony. If you Google it, Beyonce Ritz Paris, um, Harper's Bazaar, you'll see anyway. So we we got we went to the ground and then Beyonce came up, you know, on 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 the balcony. And you could see as soon as we started doing it, a few people stopped or started sort of speaking and then phoning people. And before you knew it, probably 10, 15 minutes later, there must have been 500 people 
just had swarmed it. Her, her fan, they, one person gets a call and then they all phone each other and tell, <laughs> tell each other where she is. And it must have had about 500 screaming fans. She's just on the balcony with her arm up like this. And that was a sort of, that was a really interesting moment because it sort of showed me what real fame is like and what, what she must experience every single day, wherever she goes, she stays somewhere without moving for 15, 20 minutes. She will be mobbed by the end of that 20 minutes. So that was really, yeah, I'll never forget that. That, that, was, that, was, a, that was an amazing day. But yeah, I guess, I guess they've all got, they've all got, They've, they've, they've all got their own little great stories, really. But that was, that was one of the best. That is crazy that in hardly yeah, time, all Yeah. Well, she's the biggest star in the world, I guess, isn't she? No, she, she definitely is. Yeah, everybody from Victoria Beckham was lovely. She does smile. <laughs> she's just really super fun, great sense of humour. She was brilliant. And men's, you know, for men's. Matt Damon, he was fantastic. Tom Cruise, all of those people back in the day. Yeah, they were great. They were good. So in 2014, you started your own business. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you do. <laughs> well, I started that because I was getting the opportunity to do some um, commercial work. So I'd be working with brands um, doing ad campaigns. So Aspinall handbags, they were clients of mine. So I would, I would sort of do all my commercial work I would put through the House of Usher. So that agency's there to do work for, whether that's a fashion brand or some freelance work for somebody, and I'll put that through that company. It's just a different revenue stream. So I work, as I say, for Aspinalls, I worked with when very exclusive launched, I worked doing their ad campaign. Um, I don't do that much work through it, to be honest, because my full-time job keeps me super busy. I'd like to do, I'd like to do more of that, really. I'd like, as I said move more into working for a brand maybe i should maybe i should try and get some more work through that but yeah i get your job i'll do and i'll put it through that business there's also it's a good way to sort of do other interesting things rather than just magazines and celebrities do some commercial stuff so ad campaigns for commercial clients really i suppose it gives you that diversity as well yeah exactly exactly it just keeps things a bit interesting oh, fantastic so when you started that business how yeah. did you find it working alongside your full-time jobs? I mean, a lot of work goes into each one of the shoots on your full-time yeah. job. Um, yeah, well, the full-time job does keep me busy. It's not just the shoots I do. I'm responsible for the magazine's design, all the layout design. So I will oversee how that magazine looks, every single page from the cover, front cover to the back cover. So all of the features inside, the design of all the pages. So that does keep me busy. And how I would do it, I would just either work weekends on the on on House of Usher stuff or I take some time off, I book a week off. Or you know, just sort of multitask. And if I'm working on one shoot for this and one shoot for you know for House of Usher, you know, you can sort you're sort of in the same world. So if I'm doing research um for one shoot and I think oh actually that'd be great for another one, I can sort of multitask brilliant work on a couple of things at once. But mainly I will try and not do that and I'll you know I'll work, I'll try and separate it and do weekend work or take a, a few days off or take a week off. And if obviously if I'm shooting for a commercial client, I'll, I'll take some time off from, from, the, uh, from the magazine. Okay, fantastic. So yeah. finally, I've got yeah. 10 very quick questions. Go on then. First one, whiskey or beer? Or beer. I had a terrible accident on whiskey. I worked for, <laughs> I worked for Hague, Hague Club, which was this 
David Beckham whiskey brand. Um, and I was meeting the clients and they only wanted to drink whiskey. So I'd, I just started doing this commercial stuff for them, doing images with David Beckham and Hay. And we went to a restaurant and I must have drunk a whole bottle of this whiskey. And then I left the restaurant and um, I woke up in hospital in an MRI scan. I shattered all my arm. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> so I literally only remember leaving the restaurant and then waking up in hospital. Um, so I haven't drunk whiskey since. So definitely beer. Okay. One bit of advice you'd give anyone wanting to start within the magazine industry? Yeah, I would, you know, I think you have to sort of, well, it depends what, what, what side of it you go in. If you're going to want to go into a fashion, to the fashion team, you have to sort of go in at the bottom. You have to, you have to work hard and you have to assist and you just have to, unfortunately you do need sort of parents that can help you out because the, the salaries are terrible at the beginning. So you need parents that are going to really support you and say for six months, I'm going to, you know, going to help you with this and get into a magazine, write to people, just be, just be, just hassle people because it's so easy just with email now just to ignore emails. So it's follow up with emails, get on the phone to people, you know, do a good CV, start doing, if you want to be creative, go to college and start building a portfolio. But, you know, you do have to sort of go in at the bottom and, you know, expect to work hard. Best person you've worked with to date? Best person I've worked with today, the nicest person I worked with was Matt Damon. Cat or dog? Dog. I've got four of them. Let me get, let me show you another. Wait there. <laughs> this one's Kiki. Oh! Little, little, there we are. Oh, so I've got four of them. Have you? Yeah. So Cute. definitely dogs. Okay. Bright colours or dull colours? Black, always. Summer fashion or winter fashion? Summer fashion. Three well-known people you've worked with. Well, let's go this one. Pranker we've just done, Kate Moss, Mariah Carey. Gin or vodka? Gin. Favourite fashion brand? Favourite fashion brand, I would say, at the moment, Gucci. And favourite holiday destination? Some Bart's. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure. Now, I hope you all enjoyed that video with Tom. I know for me, what I learned was about how you get into the magazine industry. You know, if you start at the bottom and work your way up, then that's the best way. Now, I think the other important thing was how do you get that story? When you purchase a magazine, it tells a story. And the important thing is is that you plan, you put time in, you get your storyboards and you plan. And that is so relevant to whoever's watching this because everyone will always say, put your time in planning and it always helps in the long run to get the product and the finished product what you want. Now that can also relate to everyday life, whether it be a career or something else. Because if you put time in planning, deciding exactly what steps you've got to take, in the end, you are going to get there. Now, you can follow Tom at the links here. If you have someone that inspires you, comment below. I'm always so interested to find out who others find inspirational. Likewise, if you have an inspirational story to tell, comment below, drop me a message on social media, or even drop me an email. On Wednesday at five o'clock, I'll be speaking with successful show jumper, Jessica Howard. 
about her journey and how she ended up getting to the Horse of the Year show. Now, if you enjoyed this video, comment below, let me know your thoughts, give it a thumbs up, and don't forget to hit subscribe. Speak to you all on Wednesday. See you later.